And welcome to the Home Lab Show, episode 47, CrowdSec and Using Open Source Threat Intelligence. Well, I should have probably titled it like Participating in Open Source Threat Intelligence because CrowdSec is a two-way street here of you give some data, you get some data. And uh, me and Jay are going to dive into it. So we think it's a really neat idea that they're working yep. on here. Um, yep. It's definitely, we, we weren't sure if there was a, it's not going to be probably the longest show. Uh, it's going to be more like, hey, go use this product. But of course, we're going to tell you why you should use it and what they're doing and how you can participate in all this. They've done a lot of really solid engineering. Uh, Jay, I think you got at least one video done already on CrowdSec. Am I correct? Two. Two. Okay. And then I'm yep. working on some videos too that'll be more in-depth tutorials about the product. But today we wanted to, uh, you know, dive into talking about things a little bit here about what it is. But before we get into that, we got to thank a sponsor of the show, and that is Linode. And Linode is actually a great place to test out CrowdSec. So there's a there's a good alignment here uh, because CrowdSec is a tool that allows for public data to come in and public threat sharing and looking at logs and you know you need something public facing and if you don't want to try this on your home machine spin up a Linode instance load CrowdSec on there leave all the ports open because that's what makes this fun and now you can let them the internet I should say them being whoever wants to probe systems not always uh not all probing uh, or looking at systems is nefarious but being able to log all that so this is a great place to host that and we do have an offer code for you which is go to linode.com slash home lab show to get signed up it's a great place to do a lot of the projects we talk about here on the home lab show if you don't have your own servers. You don't even want to run your own servers. Let Linode take care of all that. Save that uh, power bill from home and trying to stack it all up there. You can just, you know, set it all up in Linode. Or like I said, it's an option. It's an it's a great way to have a public facing thing. If you want to build your own VPN, learn more about networking, tying into things. Linode has been a great sponsor of the show. It's where we host this podcast. If you are listening to this, you downloaded it. You downloaded it off the homelab.show. You downloaded it from a Linode server where it's been. Me and Jay, there's a whole another discussion me and Jay had about that just before the show. We will mention it here, uh, tracking yeah. IPs and things like that. Well, maybe we'll do a, a, a project video about hosting some things on Linode because you don't want to yeah. necessarily host everything inside your lab. But anyways, if you don't head over to Linode, use our offer code and thank you for sponsoring the show. Appreciate it. All right. Now, CrowdSec, there's a, the, the challenge is, and we'll start with some of the commercial products. So obviously, you know, working in the commercial space and you work in the commercial security spaces, you need some threat intelligence data. We want to know who the bad actors are, the IPs that are attacking and sending these out. And a, a good example was when Log4j was on well, this is a hot topic just a few months ago, and it's not exactly yeah. been fully mitigated because patching takes a long time and some people just don't do it in any timely fashion. Right. So, but one of the things that companies and gray noise is one of them I've looked at before. You can look up some of the IP reputations for free on them. And you've seen that it's not like the internet was attacking log4j. There was a few listed IP addresses and not the best mitigation, but at least some mitigation for uh, slowing down an attacker would be, hey, we know like these 50, 100 IP addresses, whatever they are, are looking and actively trying to exploit log4j. 
And this is a list kept by companies and gray noise is an example of those companies. Like they have sensors out on the internet and they're listening all the time. Their sensors are somewhat obscure and hidden. They're going around looking for this intelligence data. Gray noise compiles it and they're among the companies that sell these intelligence feeds. Now, gray noise does have a free uh, system and, you know, it's not a video about gray noise. I just want to use them as a commercial example of this. And this is where CrowdSec is a really interesting tool. So while you have these threat intelligence and we can mitigate things by blocking those small lists of IPs that are doing a specific attack, or maybe when we know something's a command and control server, those feeds are expensive. The commercial ones, if you pay for a commercial license uh, for using these, like for a really solid IP block list, threat intelligence, reputation type list, it's expensive. Um, and it's not something necessarily a home lab person would really do. And the people at CrowdSec actually have a background in hosting. So they yeah. have a good understanding of where the problem is. Now, the solution a lot of people would start with in for years, and I don't think it's a bad tool, but you have tools like fail to ban. But fail to ban is kind of a lonely tool. You see someone poke at your server and then you ban them for trying too many attempts. That's something that they shouldn't be doing, like trying a lot of different passwords. CrowdSec takes this to the next level and they said, you know, we could probably get a community project going. We could probably build an open source project and an open source intelligence platform. And with this open source intelligence platform, they kind of do it in a two way street. You get and it's a trade offer here. You load the CrowdSec app on your system. You get their threat intelligence feed. Then what CrowdSec is able to do is you can parse logs. You can even, we'll get into this in a minute, uh, you can even parse existing logs. So I load CrowdSec today, but what if I had six months of logs? Well, I can actually retroactively tell CrowdSec to parse them and look for information in there. And this builds that threat intelligence feed. And these are all, you know, public facing logs. You're not, you're not invalidating any of your privacy by doing this. This is like a web server, for example, that you have running an SSH server you have running somewhere publicly where people are hitting it. And they're only looking for public IPs, not private ones. That's not of interest to them. So you have this public facing server and you're wanting to know, you know, was someone trying something bad? Was uh, one of these IP addresses on that list? And then it sets up a bouncer to stop that from happening so it's a two-way street you have all the data ingressing in and then you have crowd sex sitting kind of in a layer in between of i'm going to analyze your logs and if one of those bad reputation ip addresses are in those logs we're going to go ahead and just block them and yep. stop them from coming in and it's just a really clever system the trade as i said is is the fact that you are also including your logs as everyone else does but in trade you get their threat intelligence list and i was looking at their website they actually have right now um what was the how many different ip addresses were on there hold on, let me pull that up while you um <clears throat> i forgot to yeah well I, yeah there's there was quite a few last i looked at i don't know what there is now but um while you're looking i i i mean crowdsec is just one of those solutions that you know makes me smile because it's just like you, you were saying we have all these threat intelligence companies and they could be charging tens of thousands of dollars and they sell this to big businesses, you know, and honestly, it'd be really cool if you are a home lab person and you have no problem with tens of thousands of dollars a year for a service. But I think I speak for the majority of us when I say that's not something we can do. So CrowdSec comes along and I kind of feel like they're disrupting this entire space. And I just like it when companies do that. You know, it's not that I like to see other companies have problems, but it's just let's do it the open source way. Let's get everybody the information. Let's let everybody, you know, 
benefit from this and use a community approach to it. I think that's just, you know, so awesome that they decided to do that because how easy would it have been for them to just say, yeah, we want a a couple grand a month for this service. Yeah. And this is really, as Jay said, turning turning it around a lot is an interesting way to look at it because I understand completely why large businesses that sell these and this specifically is like, you know, IP reputation feeds. One of the reasons it is expensive to do is getting all those sensors out there and analyzing all the data and bringing it back. That's a, I mean, granted, yes, we have a lot of automation, but there's still a large intensity of labor and your expense of setting up all these servers, monitoring them, ingesting all that data. And then you have to set up because no one's going to poke at something that doesn't look interesting. I mean, they might, there's always probes and scans, but the real threat actors, they poke at things that are interesting to them. They go, Oh, look, a WordPress site running this version of software. Oh, look, there's, you know, an Apache server that's not so patched. And that's, that goes, that's what we want to attack. So these guys have to set up honeypots that look like something interesting to gather this data. Now, this is not a replacement for advanced levels of open source intelligent threat detection. This is more focused around IP reputation. Now, currently they have 2.1 million rogue IPs that they're keeping track of that look like they're not doing good. That's on their site right now. So this is really cool. Now, the way they're turning it on their head, though, is you got to look at it as a distribution of labor. If you write a really solid piece of software, and this is what they did, their installer is stupidly easy. There's a cover. There's a little nuance. We um, will talk to the developers at some point about it. Me and Jay found something that in certain scenarios, we've had a problem with with some ports they use. But for the most part, if you have Nginx or Apache, common software, um, open light speed is what the exception we'll talk about shortly is. But if you're doing one of these things or even, a WordPress site. WordPress is where this platform many, many people choose, or maybe this is very directly related to Home Lab. You're running Nginx and you're running Nextcloud on it, which, by the way, Jay just released an entire how to get going on Nextcloud video. So brand, brand new and, and completely updated for 2022. Yeah, so pretty in depth. But any of these things, you know, a lot of people, I, I prefer to keep as much as possible behind a VPN, but at some point for ease of use and access, people open up the ports to things. And this is where CrowdStack says, hey, if we write a software that's really easy to install, and then the distribution of labor has changed, you're just adding yourself as one of the sensors. You've already did the hard part. You've created something that would be interesting for uh, a threat actor going, oh, we want to look at these law. We want to look at things like a Nextcloud server. We want to look at things like a WordPress site, but the distribution of labor is you loading some software. You're taking care of that part of it. And you then send your log data parse through the CrowdSec app. And it's, by the way, completely transparent what they're sending. This is why it's important because no one wants to load some app that sends data back to the mothership because they could completely spy on me. But when they do it all open source, you are implicitly understanding what they're sending. So I'm perfectly comfortable putting this on my servers because I know what they're doing. They're very clear on it. We parse these logs. We look at these IPs. We see the ones that are doing something bad. Then the data goes up to the mothership and it's compared because if a group of disparate websites, all these different home lab users, all these different commercial people like myself using CrowdSec on our websites, me and Jay both have it loaded. We have it loaded on the home lab show. If an a threat actor attacks these completely unrelated sites, those are those intelligence points that CrowdSec goes and analyzes. It's not one attack that will do this. It takes a, a reputation building. This is why they refer to it as a IP reputation system. 
But by doing this, now they have that intelligence going, all right, we just seen these different sites all get attacked in this same methodology by this singular IP address or maybe these two or three IP addresses. So by doing that, they go, oh, put this on the ban list. Then their system puts on a ban list and it sends that data back down to the bouncer side. So you've got the ingestion of logs and you got the bouncers that you set up and it says, Hey, this IP bad block it, get rid of it. So it then puts that on the list. And this is just a really simple, so to speak. I look at it as just a simply orchestrated, uh, beautiful way of doing it. And it's very, very effective. This is made CrowdSec popular very quickly. And wow, what a cool idea. Now, of course, someone's got to ask, but how do you pay for it all? Because at least, you know, there's some programmers on staff and there's some people and uh, there's still a mothership server that's collecting data, which by the way, you get a dashboard we'll talk about in a second. But the way they monetize it is it turns out some businesses go, you know what, you can't have my data. Uh, We, and they're offering as a service some cool upsells for monitoring for the dashboard. Uh, they have, uh, I think that's under roadmap, but uh, the other thing too, if you want a feed only, but you don't want to participate in giving, no problem. They'll sell you a feed. And th- a lot of large companies go, yeah, we don't let anyone touch our logs. End of story. Yep. That's where it ends, which is fine that people who who have that uh, stance on it. You can't have our logs. We only want your data. Well, no problem. They'll sell you a data feed and that's how they're funding it. And turns out because the, as I mentioned, some of these large commercial companies have licenses that are as much as $25,000 a year. That's a lot for a home lab user. That's nothing for these large companies that are huge going, Oh, uh, you can't have my server logs, but Oh, you're only 25 or few thousand dollars a year well these other guys are twenty five thousand, and you don't right. have to have but a handful of these companies to, to see that's so a pretty sustainable business model it's really interesting uh diving into it i mean it's something i may take the time to do an interview with some of the people at crowdsec too and bring them up on my channel um i've been engaging with them we, we've been me and jay both have uh they've they're very community focused very looking at all the different things they can plug into and when i see things like wordpress uh they went as far with wordpress uh, i'm demoing the uh, well not really demoing we just put it in place the actual wordpress plugin so they wrote a plugin completely supported within wordpress to not just get your log data, but to go a step further and get within WordPress. And if a bad reputation IP or someone tries to attack my login page of WordPress, it'll actually send them a block page uh, right through WordPress. It's part of the insert in there. This is really nice because if you're not familiar, um, WordPress has been uh, under a pretty heavy attack. It's nature of one being a popular product Two, uh, there's been a few different add-ons for WordPress that were, well, very vulnerable. PHP everywhere right. was the recent one because boy, it put PHP everywhere and it may even made accessibility everywhere in a way it shouldn't have. So um, having different tools like this that would help block those things buys you some time, not a guarantee, but helps buys you some time uh, to get these blocks in there. Yep. And I want to take a few minutes to just kind of um, round the edges a little bit because um, there's a few things that I think, you know, we should probably mention that probably goes without saying, but, you know, there's always those people out there that are new. So these types of tools, obviously, if, if you have a weak password, right, um, and someone brute forces your password and they get in like at the third attempt because your password's that easy, there's no security solution on the planet that's going to flag that as a bad actor because they, you know, entered a valid password. So, if you have bad hygiene, then obviously no security solution is going to save you and no security solutions 100%. Now, another thing I wanted to mention too, um, 
fail to ban for those of you guys that have never used it um because i think kind of going over that a bit might help people understand the difference between the two because fail to ban and crowdsec are compared like all the time because they kind of do something similarly even though they do it different fail to ban is something that i consider that everyone that exposes something to the internet they should have at least fail to ban fail to ban or crowdsec i'm not really sure i'd recommend that you uh, you know have both because i really see a point there but what fail to ban does for example is it looks at attempts so if you have a login page and your website is exposed and someone just keeps hammering the password you could basically tell it Okay, after that seventh attempt, because I'm a klutz and I could probably mess up my own password six times, but I never mess it up seven times. If you see anyone, you know, going beyond that, just go ahead and add a firewall rule automatically that just um, blocks them. And you can set it to a permanent ban, four hours, 15 minutes or whatever. Um, you don't have to make it permanent because at that point, it just becomes so much harder for them to brute force because they can only do so many attempts, wait an hour, so many more attempts, wait an hour. It just lengthens the time that it takes them to get in. Now, with fail to ban, it's very easy to, to look at SSH or have it watch SSH, but it it, got, it kind of gets difficult because you have jails, which is what they call each config that it can block. And those jails, you have to make sure that they're right. You have to keep an eye on it because, for example, what happens if you change your SSH port because you just want it on a different port? Now is fail to ban watching that port, we probably got to go in there and let it know that, hey, by the way, I kind of moved this over to a different port. And if you have Apache, you, you know, you can set up a jail for that. It, there's a lot of them that are pre-configured. But if you want to do anything more than that, you have to look at regular expressions, come up with your own jail. Maybe, um, I don't know if there's one for Nextcloud built in yet, but in, in fail to ban. But if there, if there isn't, you have to basically manually tell it where the log file is, where the verbiage is for errors that you want it to look for so that it knows to block things. And what happens if the logging um, parameters change? If the new version of an app changes the uh, verbiage of alerts, then it's no longer watching that. So you have to kind of just keep an eye on it. But um, it works great, though. I mean, at a minimum, fail to ban works for that purpose. Now, CrowdSec also does the same thing. If it sees a bunch of attempts, it's going to say, hey, wait a minute. Um, no, you really shouldn't be here. You really shouldn't be doing this. But um, <clears throat> the difference is, is that it's benefiting from the information that it finds online and or not online, but in, in the database in the feed that can, you know, contains information from other people that also have CrowdSec installed. And then as you're saying, it comes a time where people are generally like, yeah, but it's collecting information. It's bad by default, which I don't really like that mentality because right. um, the way I look at it, if a company is honest about what they're capturing, then it's fine. If you're fine with it, then it's fine. The problem is we've seen so many times where companies like Google are saying, yeah, we collect A, B, and C, but we don't collect you know X, Y, and Z at all. And then someone does like some kind of a packet capture, finds out that they actually are doing the thing that they say they're, they're not doing. So I totally understand the lack of trust because the big companies have been bad stewards of you know personal information, especially Facebook. But um, when it comes to open source tools, you can see this information. And um, the best example I'll give is Ubuntu, because when you install desktop Ubuntu nowadays, and, it, and Canonical got a lot of anger about this, that it comes up with the, they may, I mean, they ask you, it doesn't even do this 
on its own, it asks you, would you like to send us information about your computer? I forgot the verbiage and, and people get upset with that. It's collecting data, but you can click on it and look at it and see exactly what's going up there. And all it is is just your model number, processor, GPU, you know, the things that are compatibility related. So keeping that in mind, because I know some of our audience might be under the impression, well, it's collecting information is bad. Not necessarily. Yes, I know a lot of companies are doing it wrong, but CrowdSec, you know, just you can look at the information, you know what it's doing. It's an open source tool. And obviously, if it ever, you know, has a problem later on down the road, we'll have to let you guys know about it. So um, for right now, I mean, we've looked at this thing. I don't know how many hours you've spent or how however many hours I've spent on CrowdSec, but it just keeps checking the boxes. And um, going back to my fail to ban versus CrowdSec comparison, I feel like CrowdSec is easier to implement. Um, obviously, fail to ban doesn't send any information to anyone. Um, as far as I know, I've never seen anything in the config file for it to do that. Um, and CrowdSec, of course, benefits from that information. But CrowdSec, in my opinion, I mean, I've never had to learn regular expressions, and I still don't know regular expressions. So if you're having trouble with that, I get it. But um, you know, just wanted to go over some of those differences between the two, which might help people understand uh, fail to ban or CrowdSec, which one's better for them. Yes. And one thing worth noting is uh, the absolute minimal amount of knowledge you need to set CrowdSec up. It is uh, the documentation is not only good, they do. And I know some people are hesitant about copy pasting a bash installer, but they have one. If you don't, um, they give you all the details if you like to manually do things, but their automation level is great. And that's really a testament to the level of engineering that goes into something because the easier something is to use, especially when it's a more complex product, the more engineering it takes to build this product to be something easy to use. And uh, I was, I'm really impressed with how easy it was to set up. And from a usability standpoint, it's like you can just copy and paste the bash script in there uh, in, in a WordPress instance. And I'll cover how to set that up when I do my uh, review of it. You just say, hey, generate a local API key because they did this right. They don't just tell you to point at it and just accept any connection. It even uses its own local API keys so local things can talk to it. By the way, they have an entire API interface for people that want to build things on top of it. Uh, they have a pretty large hub of different features, different options of things you can integrate with. And this is um, really interesting how they're doing this. And it allows for, and this is from the ground up, how they wrote this, a more modularized experience. So people go, hey, I'd like to put this in my set of devices or you know, the tools that I'm working on and how would I communicate with it? Well, it listens by default on port 8080. You can queue, uh, queue up the API key, set it up and build your scenarios and applications there uh, to talk to it. So it's a very extensible uh, system. Yep. Yeah, um, and I, I think, um, yeah, it's easy to install. Like you said, they have a, a workaround command if you don't want to do um, the curl pipe to sudo bash um, or whatever their equivalent of that is. I've seen different flavors of that. Um, it's becoming a very popular thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, you could get it installed. And I think what, What's really cool about this is that if you use CrowdSec on your home lab, and let's just say your company also uses it if you if you do IT for a company, then it's the same CrowdSec both ways, unless your company is paying for you know the access to the feed without providing the information. But um, it's the same thing. Like it's very cool when we home lab people get to use a tool that 
enterprises use the actual tool, right? Because um, some of them need, you know, Red Hat needs a support agreement unless you get the developer license. So that could be a little challenging. But we have the actual CrowdSec. It's not like CrowdSec Lite. It's not, um, you know, it's like, oh, let me see if my company can subscribe to CrowdSec Ultra Plus Mega Edition or something like that, um, you know. But it's the same thing. So we have at our disposal, you know, not something that's going to make us 100% bulletproof. I keep saying that because I'm trying to go against all these um, thumbnails I see on YouTube that says, maybe not about CrowdSec, make your server hack-proof. I, I cringe every time I see that. But with the with the responsible admin, CrowdSec just adds a lot of value to, um, you, you know, your home lab, and it's free. And in my opinion, um, you may as well benefit from the information. Yeah. Now, something interesting that they did recently, they announced an integration. I have not tested it yet, but it's something I'm working on as well with OpenSense. Now, they started there. Whatever reason, that's just what the, the firewall platform they uh, chose first. But that integration is going to be really interesting. I'm probably going to start looking at it there. And of course, OpenSense is a fork of PFSense, and they're both based on BSD. Yes, they have packages, not just for Linux, but BSD as well. So I'm going to be doing some testing about how CrowdSec can be integrated within PFSense. So it is on my roadmap, because I think this is where the next level is going to come, is not just integrating it into the um, servers themselves. I mean, that's definitely a great place to start and where most of the intelligence data is. But in addition to having it at the firewall levels, that way, if you have different ports open on a firewall, they can first be evaluated through CrowdSec lists and go, nope, these are a series of IPs that just never get to pass traffic through this firewall. Um, that way you're now this is not an outbound thing. This is an inbound thing. So it's not going to really matter to people who don't open any ports. So it's specifically more about that. I mean, it's not that you can't stop talking to those bad IP addresses, but generally these bad reputation IP addresses are on that bad reputation for them bringing traffic to you, not the other way around. Yep. So there's a couple of things too about this setup now that we mentioned, well, I mean, it's an easy setup and, and it is, but you know, the, the um, ecosystem around CrowdSec is a bit different because like with fail to ban, it's fail to ban. You, you have the defaults, you could turn on, you know, whatever you want it to monitor. I think on most builds, a failed ban SSH is being monitored by default. But with CrowdSec, it doesn't block anything by default. It when you install it, all it's doing is just keeping an eye on things. If if someone was trying to hack your server, oh, that IP is trying to hack the server, logs it. That's it. Done. It doesn't do anything more than that. You need a bouncer installed in order for it to take action. So the so CrowdSec itself monitors what's going on. And the you know the bouncer is what takes action. So if you don't install a bouncer, then all you really have is something that's just watching it and logging information. You need a bouncer installed and running in order for it to actually take action. And they have different bouncers like an NF tables, IP tables bouncer. They have a WordPress bouncer, like you were saying, that can integrate it into WordPress. So you get one of those bouncers or maybe more than one if you have more than one thing and you make sure that they're enabled. And then that's what gives you the complete solution. So I don't want anyone who um, it was like me and has ADD is, oh, it's easy to install. Okay, I installed it, done. I'm going to move on and, and go mow, mow my lawn or something. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to you need to do both things. Um, absolutely. And that's very important to keep in mind. Um, thankfully, whenever you install a bouncer and you verify it's working, it's done. And then you have a whole command line uh, tool that you could use, CSCLI, that you can 
um, used to interrogate things. You can get a dashboard like you were saying. But should we talk about the port issue that we ran into? Yeah, this is worth noting. Um, so the weird challenge, and this is a me and Jay thing because we, we're weird. Well, we... We do we use yeah. open light speed and it's not that open light speed isn't popular. It's just niche. Open light speed is a optimized uh, web server for WordPress. So, you know, I actually, um, because of here, we'll give you a little bit of backstory. The reason Tom went to open light speed is because Tom's website and WordPress is not coded extremely well. There's some messy things like when you, build an automation tool that uh, puts 1400 blog or 1500 blog posts now of all your site and has a lot of repeating code in there. Your site gets slow on index solution, use open light speed, or I could find some programmers to update my WordPress site. We went with the technical DevOps thing that Tom knows, which is we switched to open light speed, which my website actually quite fast. It's a good, it's a good engine. There's nothing wrong with it, but yep. CrowdSec doesn't natively specifically support open light speed and open light speed has its own, uh, quirkiness. And because of that, you have to make sure you're not conflicting ports and open light speed seems to have a port conflict with the port 8080 that CrowdSec default binds to. Now, CrowdSec, once again, all open source is a, uh, the files are easy. No, you just go through Etsy CrowdSec and change the port number. It's, it's not like this is hard to do, so to speak. It's well documented where you change these ports. Um, Jay, of course, built an automated deploy script <laughs> in Ansible that as he sets up CrowdSec, he goes and moves it from port 8080. But it's something you have to be conscious of um, when you're looking at it. But this is nice because the CrowdSec people thought about this. They have it defaulted there, but there's nothing wrong with changing it. And once you change it, you can use it whatever and bind to whatever other port. And you're probably going to run this. There's always going to be someone with a use case, such as Open Lightspeed, where the default bind ports have to be changed. But in case you're running into those issues, and by the way, uh, var log <laughs> CrowdSec dot uh, log, you can look through and the log tells you, hey, this this port's already in use. Really easy error to troubleshoot. Um, just kind of a weird one there. So it's yeah. one of those little things that you have to be aware of if you have something bound to an existing port. And I'll, you know, I now I think about it, I want to say Unify binds to that port as well. So if you were to install CrowdSec on a server running Unify, uh, you would run into that's that's a potential problem you run into is something bound to that port. Easy enough to change though. It's not right. just change from the default. Yeah, and to, and to build on that a little bit, um, I have run into like quite a few apps that use port 8080 for the local port. Um, one example of this is I used to work with Atlassian software a while back. Um, I'm not personally a fan of it, but, you know, it's what the job was for. So I just, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Jira that mapped to 8080. And then what people will generally do is put like a proxy in front of it so that way you know, if you're going to the Jira site for your company, or I don't really know if many home lab people run this, but you would just put colon 8080 at the end. Um, I've I've run into a lot of apps that use 8080. So I think that this is going to be something that a lot of people might run into. And like you said, it's very easy to fix. Um, but just keep this in mind because um, it's, you know, it is what it is. So this port that we're referring to is for local communication. It's not a port that's open up. Right. Um, as far it doesn't as I open know, to the, the internet. Right. Right. So it's how CrowdSec communicates with its bouncer locally. So it's, if it's going to tell the bouncer, hey, bouncer, you need to do a thing. Well, I'm pretty sure that's how it does it. But it's a local port. So if you spin up uh, Jira, for example, or anything else that uses 8080, and then you put CrowdSec and a bouncer on it, then what you're going to find is that the bouncer won't start because it's on 8080. So, um, 
what you have to do, and this is, you know, just to save people the trouble, is I counted three places to update the port. So if you want to change CrowdSec to use a different port, which is, you know, what I do, then you have to change it in three places. And like you said, you could interrogate the log files. It'll tell you that this is a problem. It's really easy to fix. You just change the port number in these three files. I believe they're all in Etsy CrowdSec, if I'm not mistaken. And inside there, you just update the port, restart the services, and then you're fine. That's really all you have to do. But I just mentioned this. So um, if someone runs into this, they'll know exactly what to do. Yep. And uh, the, actually, we have in the in the comment section here, uh, one of the people who's part of the CrowdSec moderators. And one of the cool things they mentioned I, it is a great way to put it. So IDS, intrusion detection system, and IPS is intrusion prevention system. Sometimes yep. they're the same service, but they have a mode of operation. And the way they said is you can compare the IDS of CrowdSec's bouncers like an IPS. The official CrowdSec team can explain it better is what they said in here. But let me expand a little bit on that. The CrowdSec uh, IDS, intrusion detection, is the engine itself. So CrowdSec's analyzing and having the data. But that's just in telling you data. It's just not doing any actions. The bouncers are the IPS part of this. Where And um, I think Tom might have froze. Can someone in the chat room let me know if you see or if you still hear me? a little bit of a lag in the chat. See if Tom comes back. Okay. So, um, yeah, we'll just give uh, Tom a few minutes to see if he pops back in. We could always, uh, I guess, delete this in this section in post when we upload it to uh, the podcast networks. How cold is it in Michigan right now? Tom's frozen solid. I don't even know. Like, I don't even listen to the or, or watch the weather at all because I kind of feel like predicting, you know, predicting the weather in Michigan is just a, yeah, you know, we can't do that. Oh, I think Tom's coming back now. All right. Yeah, Sorry. there he is. Sorry for the disruption. I'll have to edit that in post. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was like just before 32 or 31 minutes in or something like that. If you want to make a note somewhere around there, well, you probably see the um, stopping yeah. point in the audio form. Yep. All right. So nonetheless, uh, hopefully I, I'll finish my sentence there because I know where it stopped, I think. And uh, the CrowdSec part is the intrusion detection system. The bouncers are the prevention system. So the bouncers themselves actually will block the different things that may be found within the engine system. And of course, the bouncers are also listening to the uh, feeds. I think the last thing to mention would be the uh, dashboard, right, Jay? Yeah, you definitely want to talk about the dashboard. And there's actually, if I remember correctly, two dashboards. There's one that you can run locally on your on the machine, and there's one... Um, yes. That I don't know. Is it out of beta yet? I don't remember. The the. Um, I think it still says beta, but it, 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 it will use it. It's great. I, it's yeah. a really functional dashboard for being beta. How's that? Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was well for me when I tested it out. Yeah, it's really cool because um, it's just really neat. Because if you have like more than one machine that's externally available, you can have one dashboard, and then you can see that information right there. Or if you would rather not do that, you can have your local dashboard so you can view it locally per machine. 
Yeah, the it lets you register each of your instances on there and uh, let you see the alerts. It's a nice dashboard. Uh, they keep adding more features to it. I remember when I first signed up to it, it was pretty basic. It's gotten a lot more advanced. Uh, and it, this is a nice feature for being able to aggregate all that data. And it's kind of interesting how this works because the aggregation of that data isn't automatic. You have to implicitly enroll each one of your CrowdSec agents with a API. And it's it's got a nice two, they've made it really easy to do. You copy and paste these things in there to register each of your instances uh, to register them to your dashboard. So it's not part of what everyone can see. And you can then narrow down to what your specific instance at each of those instances you set up see. So uh, they did a nice job in a dashboard. I think it's a nice value add being able to have that. Um, but I also like from the completely command line driven because I'm, you know, I SSH in my web server. I want to be able to quickly look at something. You can type in their command line tool, which actually is very functional, uh, which allows for from extended scripting and pulling data out of it. So you can look at it, run it, see that what they refer to as their decision trees uh, for how they did things, look at the logs, look and see what API calls are being made and interacted with. Um, overall, it's a pretty robust tool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great to, it's an option. So it's one of those things, you know, you don't have to, you know, you know, obviously you could just run the dashboard if you want it, or you could just, you know, if it's not for you, you could just do everything via the command line. So it's truly the the Linux way, right? You could you yeah. could use the GUI or you could not use the GUI. And and that really um, pertains to CrowdSec as well. You could just be all command line or you can install the GUI if you'd like it. Um, it it's just really cool to have that available, I think. Yeah, but all of our testing, um, I haven't had any problems. I haven't had CrowdSec break anything. It hasn't blocked anything. Um, and they have, and the part I want to, I'm not going to be able to explain this here, but they do have uh, mitigations for a really interesting attack scenario that will make sense to you in a moment. Like you're thinking, oh, wait, how could someone attack CrowdSec? Well, what if a group of nefarious actors wanted to, uh, do something nefarious, like block someone else's services or things like that. What if they went and registered a bunch of CrowdSec instances to try to poison the feeds? They've actually got, and um, I, this is something I want to uh, dive into, and I think they have some write-ups on there. Well, they have a lot of write-ups, so I, I find probably find exactly this one. But it was in one of the interviews I listened to, they've actually really thought through that and have mitigations that stop for, uh, threat actors from poisoning the feeds themselves or uh, trying to get things added to a bunch of whitelists and things like that. And this is where CrowdSec is such a crowd and people oriented service where the more people that are using, especially the more good people are using it, the better the data becomes, the higher the fidelity becomes of the threat intelligence data they gather when we have a lot of people plugging this into their servers and helping to identify traffic and things like that. So it's, it's one of those things that the product just gets better with the more people that use it is the bottom line. And I'm pretty sure I could be wrong on this, but I thought I read that, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's better technical ter terms for this, but that there's a BS detector almost like like there's a scoring system when someone when it's getting information from a, a source that's reporting some kind of a, a bad thing going on. Like, has this IP ever reported anything before? Is this the very first time? Was there no you know false positives from this um, or good information. There's a lot of logic in the background to prevent this because I think it's literally the number one thing that I've seen, or at least within the top five that people ask about CrowdSec is, okay, well, that's great. But what if um, someone just really hates Google and then just sends like a bunch of uh, BS information about Google and then no one using CrowdSec and, or I don't know, it's just a made up scenario there, but there, there's a lot of different 
uh, scenarios and logic that they put in there to try to prevent that kind of thing. There's a scoring system. Um, there's also the, um, I believe they call it the leaky bucket system, where they have to have a certain amount of um, negative information before it, um, you know, leaks over the bucket, so to speak. So that way, like the first person to complain just because they, you know, want to complain isn't necessarily enough, but they're going to keep an eye on it. But then there's a reputation system on top of that, too, that um, keeps it honest. So yeah. I think that's a really important thing to have. Uh, and this this is great because, like I said, it's a it's a multi tiered approach to this. Uh, I like the fact that it's community participation. But one thing I'll mention because this may come up uh, later is well, and actually one thing that did come up. Someone asked about what about Cloudflare web application firewalls or any other uh, in the comments. And this is something from the team over there at CrowdSec, the, one of their com moderators that commented here that yes, you can use it. You of course need to be forwarding the. Uh, original IP through the web application firewall to whatever you're pointing it at, because obviously you don't want it to just look at CrowdSec's uh, IP address and I'm mean, sorry, uh, Cloudflare's IP address. Uh, the second that I didn't surprise no one asked is, can you use this with Sericata or Snort um, or some of the other inspection tools? Actually, yes. And the reason why is they, they operate at a different level. So if you have other tools that are doing different security, for example, and with port forwarding that also gets in traffic inspected by something like Sericata because you have another firewall in front of it. Those are doing analysis at a different level. So when you look at something, how Sericata and Snort work, they're a rules-based system that look for patterns that are known. So they download their feeds. They're not just bad reputation IP feeds or more specifically, like look for this type of attack pattern, this type of scenario coming through. That's a little different than what CrowdSec's doing. So yes, they can generally work in concert with each other when properly configured without um, any overlap, so to speak. There may be certain things that they both have a bad reputation list, but they're two different products. So this is another piece of security in your stack, um, but you don't have to get rid of the other ones. They can, such as Sericata or Snort. Yeah, and that that's a good, a very important point. I mean, assuming that the people listening, obviously, they probably are, you know, following proper hygiene. They have a randomly generated password. If a service must be public, public facing, and if there's no need for it to be public facing, then it's not. And they're installing all the patches. They're closing down ports that don't need to be open and just kind of limiting things there. And following all of that, um, then CrowdSec gives you another layer. On top of that, that even though you've done your due diligence in securing your server, um, you know, sometimes things happen. There's a zero day. There's something that is going on that hasn't quite made the news yet. Then, you know, maybe CrowdSec is one of those things that will give you that extra layer of protection that will yes. just um, eliminate a potential reason to rebuild your server tomorrow, you know, yeah. <laughs> unless you want to, because we have an audience of people that, you know, I'm bored. I'm just going to rebuild it. Why not? I need something to do. Yeah. <laughs> but, but assuming that's not you and you're not rebuilding it for that reason, then, and you don't want to do that, then uh, maybe this will help you not need to do that. Yeah. Overall, one of the, the reason we talk about these tools in security as a whole, not as an absolute, but as a layer, everything's one more layer. The goal is always when you're building things secure, anyone who tells you it's absolutely secure is probably just a salesperson walking out the door. But <laughs> in a more realistic stance here, security is a series of layers. What you want to do is put all these layers in place to make anyone who's trying to attack your systems have to work for every step of the way they get there. You know, blocking their known IP addresses, blocking C2 servers, whatever those layers are, um, 
CrowdSec can be one more in that layer. That's why you brought it up as a tool. And we know with more and more people, hey, we, we know you're going to public uh, po have things public facing. We know you're going, I know Tom said use a VPN, but that's inconvenient. So you want to have these defense in depth type of situations, all these layers in place to keep you as secure as possible. So, I mean, the only real way to be secure is just go back to living on a farm. You know, turn off the internet, but yeah, um, I I don't think that's reasonable. I like the internet on, so I kind of I kind of do too. And I'm also <laughs> glad that I'm not a sales rep for a security solution company because I'd probably be fired within two weeks. And I go to a, cl a potential client, like tell us how your solution is going to help us. Is it going to protect us? It might. Um, should we go with your solution versus another? I mean, nah, they, they, they both might help. Yeah. I don't think that I don't think uh, that's going to work. I don't think it'll last too long. Yeah. Yeah. A, don't, never speak in absolutes when it comes to security. Um, and if anyone does, like I said, they're probably some shady sales rep. <laughs> so. Or they're just painting a target on, on their shirt. You know, uh, our yeah. solution is the best ever. And it's really going to make you bulletproof. And the next thing you know, like the entire security um, industry is attacking just that one service just to show them how untrue it is. Yeah, um, that happens. Yeah. It does. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, I think we've covered it all. And yep. it, it's really easy to get started with CrowdSec. They have plenty of installers for different situations. I'll read yep. through their documentation. Easy enough to find. Uh, huge in terms of... Uh, Huge in terms of just a great service that we highly recommend and free to use, of course. If we didn't say that enough at the beginning, it's not just open source. It's also free, uh, free to you users to try it out and play with it. So, And it's uh, not free for the first five installations. Like if you have no, no, 2,000 no. VMs in your home lab, well, first of all, congratulations. Yeah. Um, second of all, you can install it on all 10,000 and you don't even have to fill out a contact form. So I want to make that clear. This, they, oh, yeah, not that's true. You don't need an account. Yeah. No, no, you account don't. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things about it because you don't even have to introduce yourself to them. You don't have to, you know, submit your email and phone number, then have, you know, just to risk someone calling you and bothering you at dinner time to buy something. Um, you don't even have to talk to them. You just install it and just put it in your automation system and just spit it out to every single server you have. And that's fine. Um, you, you don't need an account. Like you said, you just have to have it installed and it does its thing. Um, you can create an account if you want a dashboard. So, you know, that's a reason to do it, but they don't tell you that you need to do it and they don't limit you by how many installs or anything like that. Yep. Um, I, I hate contact forms. I hate them oh, so I much. Know. Like, I <laughs> can't remember the name of the product, but I did a tutorial and a review and I loved the product. And I said that, but I, in the same video, I also said, but shame on them for putting it behind a contact form. It's a free video, but, or I mean, a free product, but, you know, we really shouldn't have to, you know, fill out a contact form for plugins or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't have, have to, to talk to anyone at CrowdSec yeah. to start using your product. That's probably something we should have started with because yeah. I like you. Yep. I like the uh, ease yep. of barrier. Like it is, you don't have to talk to anyone to sign up for their app dashboard. You, you can that obviously you do have to register an account for the app dashboard so you can log into the website, but to set up the instances, uh, no form wall, no paywall, as I seen someone just put, that's a great way to say it. So simple as that. So we'll could, we'll could, yeah. uh, obviously if you didn't tell me and Jay are excited about the product is why we have videos on it. Check out Jay's videos on the, on there, just head over to learn Linux TV, look for CrowdSec. He's got some, uh, and there'll be some videos in the future that we're, that I'll be doing as well. So, 
Awesome. Yep. And there's also an interview with um, one of the, or some people, actually, no, I think it was just one person from CrowdSec on the Enterprise Linux Security Show. So there's, oh. there's technically three videos on the channel okay. about them. So you could get probably more information there, although I think we've covered everything you know people need to know to get started it's really that simple so yeah we're trying to make it easy on you all right well thanks everyone for joining us and uh thank you bearing with us while we uh temporarily didn't have internet <laughs> so, um but it, you're hearing that in in the edited version um it, it happened and you listened to it in post so it, it was taken out so all right thank you very much take care